Wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. Hey. Hey, friends. Welcome to episode 14 of Patriots First Globalists, and I'm your host. You know, the past, really, four or five days of response has been absolutely incredible. And I know I say this every episode, but the the amount of impact, the amount of views, the amount of traction that this podcast has been getting has been absolutely unreal the past four or five days. We, we In the past four or five days, we've shot up nearly 500 more views. We've been seen in six more diverse countries, Croatia, uh, Austria, the Bahamas, among some other ones, like literally all over the map. So I want to thank you guys for your continued support. It's really been fantastic. So today's episode... You, with this, you know, we, we've covered it a lot. Actually, our, our last, I'd say, four episodes, we've covered the topic of Russia and Ukraine. But there's, good, there's always more there, you know. A topic this big, there's always going to be oodles and oodles and bucket loads of information coming out. So I'd like to share it with you. And this is a bombshell. I, I, I know I always say it's a bombshell, but this, this is the bombshell of all bombshells. This is the Tsar Bomba, the biggest nuclear bomb ever detonated. This, this puts our last one to shame. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share it with you. Before we get started... You should know that Patriots First Globalists, this podcast, is now finally, after weeks and weeks of waiting, on on Truth Social. So if you guys want to follow follow the podcast, it is at on Truth Social at Patriots First Globalists, Patriots with a capital P, V S verse uh, lowercase, and then Globalists with a capital G. Find us; you'll see our logo. We'd love to have you following us there. So in the last episode, we talked about Tulsi Gabbard, and I got I that episode did fantastic. It was our second highest viewed episode, next to the original Russia and Ukraine episode, which this will be a follow up to. And a lot of people said to me, a lot I, I got criticized a lot for the Tulsi episode. I thought it was pretty eye opening talking about the connections of people like Tulsi Gabbard and uh, when I, Dan Crenshaw, Zuckerberg, George Soros's son, um, Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, among others. But a lot of people said um, just... That just, you know, she would, a lot of these Tulsi apologists were coming up to me and saying to me that, oh, you know, they just 
hand those titles to people. You know, it, it's not a formal meeting. It's not a formal behind the scenes thing. But I give you this. I have two, I have two rebuttals to that before we get started with this next episode. My two rebuttals are this. What actions was Tulsi doing to be named as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader? Because no conservative, conservative politician is on there. You won't, see, you won't see a Ted Cruz on there. You won't see a Paul Gosar on there. You won't see a Madison Cawthorn on there. I hate her, but you won't even see a Liz Cheney on there. What was Tulsi doing to get on there? The second thing is, it is this tweet. In 2015, I'll tell you the exact date. On March 18th, 2015, Tulsi Gabbard tweeted at World Economic Forum, I'm honored to be selected as the 2015 Young Global Leader Voices, representing Hawaii amongst leaders from around the world. You could check this. You could search Tulsi's Twitter um, you could even search in, like I did, to do some research, Tulsi World Economic Forum. And that was the basis of the last video. Um, so she acknowledged it. She acknowledged being part of the World Economic Forum team. This isn't just like um, being, being named, named by something and having no knowledge of it. And to my, and you know, a bonus third thing is this. To my knowledge, Gabbard has never never decried she what's the word she she's never disavowed she's never called out she's never apologized she as as far as i know and i could be wrong but based on some of the research i've done tulsi has never spoke out against against her positioning on this list as far as as far as we know she's still thrilled to be a part of Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum. And who knows what events she's gone to? Who knows what bigwig globalist figures she's spoken to? Who knows what elite events she's been at? You know, it's... I, I just wanted to give you guys my rebuttal there because a lot of people were saying that I that I didn't see the full story so there is your rebuttal to my to my last episode now back to, back to the main event back to the main event in our last episode we spoke about the corruption in Ukraine we spoke about the Biden family being there and Hunter Hunter Biden, whose lap, the laptop story we knew existed, but the mainstream New York Times yesterday finally acknowledged as, as, as real, which should be a crime in itself. Not only, as we know, was the election stolen, but this, this story was buried, which would have, had it not been, had it not been buried, more people on the middle ground would have would have seen the, the laptop's contents and been horrified and turned to Trump. So it's another way that the that the deep state globalist media 
is against us and President Trump. But anyway, I digress. We talked about Hunter Biden being involved in Burisma, which is in Ukraine, along with Nancy Pelosi's son also being involved in, in an energy company in Ukraine. We talked about we talked about in 2014 how the Obama administration created a color revolution to, to oust the sitting Ukraine government out of, out of power and put in uh, Zelensky's predecessor, Poroshenko, who is openly hostile to Russia. We, t- we talked about how the same Obama administration in 2014, led by Hillary Clinton, and Victoria Nuland, who is on Joe, Joe Biden's international affairs team, also enabled and trained the anti-Russia uh, Ukrainian Nazi group Azov. And finally, most damningly, we talked about um, Ukrainian Soros-type figure by the name of Ihor Kolomoisky, who owned the TV network that, before he became president, current Ukrainian president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, had his show on. A man who Zelensky was deeply, deeply influenced by, a man who's wanted, who, who stole $9 billion from the Russian government, and a man, a man who's rumored to still have extraordinarily very, very, very close ties with Ukrainian President Zelensky to this day. Now that we got that out of the way, what we're going to focus on today is a two-part report that InfoWars put out. The first part was a few weeks ago, and the second part may have been yesterday. And we're going to compare and contrast how, how these, these two reports, with my information, how they match up. We're going to fill in the missing pieces to the puzzle. And friends, you're going to hear names that will blow your mind. Whenever you think about deep state, globalist, deep Q, whatever you want to call it, those names will be on here. So it's going to be it's going to be quite fascinating, it's going to be quite scary. And I hope you guys learn something because reading this it it absolutely blew my mind. So when you ha- when you have information at this level at this magnitude, you know, there's often a worry that some of it may not be accurate, but you know, I I gotta hand it to Infowars. They all of the information in the article checked out, all of it led back to positive and true sources. And I've always trusted Infowars, but for this episode, I, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I I like to double, I like to triple check. And after doing that, every single thing lined up accurately. So guys, hold on to your hats, buckle in. Because your head is about to go be spinning with all, with all of the information that we're about to drop to you here. So we have to start out here. 
the original article, the first part of the of the Infowars ex expose, came out on March seventh. Basically, the first part isn't anything that we already did not know, based based on current information. Basically, it just talks about it talks about the biolabs that were Pentagon funded. And so that's stuff that we knew. We knew that they were United States research slash bioweapon labs. We, we knew that it was from the United States. However, the claims being made here, and I have no reason not to believe it because the first report was the first report of the biolabs matches up with this one. A Russian defense ministry spokesperson claimed that prior to the Russian invasion happening now and the missile strikes on the biolabs, that Ukraine urgently destroyed the hazardous pathogens being experimented on at the facilities. Now, had those, had those bioweapons been found, had those pathogens that were going to be turned into bioweapons, I should say, been found, it would have violated Article 1 of the United Nations Prohibition on Biological Weapons. Now, we covered this in the last episode, but I, there may have been more, but the big four that, that we know of, and I reported on this in the last episode, so if you haven't seen it, I'd love for you guys to check it out. The f- four of the pathogens being experimented on were uh, tularemia, which is a contagious disease caused by... It's contagious. It's caused by eating small game animals, such as rabbits. The second one is cholera, which also very contagious. Um, it was the reason why so many people got sick in inner city communities at the turn of the century due to uh, poor plumbing and poor hygiene. You know, it spreads diarrhea, and if it's not treated, it could cause death. And the last two were definitely the scariest ones. I mean, when, when I read this last week, when I recorded the episode, I kind of chilled me to the bone. And the, it was as follows. It was... Um, the bubonic plague and anthrax, possibly if you talk about diseases and harmful harmful materials, those two are probably the worst of the worst. So yeah, basically, to cover their tracks, Ukraine was ordered to destroy any and all biological pathogens at these bioweapon slash research facilities. Now, another big thing here towards the end of the article is that, uh, like I said, you know, InfoWars, they were on this. I give them tons of credit. You could search up the article. But what's crazy to me, and, you know, they hit a home run right here at this point, they they talked about the biolabs in a 2015 article pre Trump pre MAGA pre Hillary emails pre pre everything pre everything 
and they, they were talking about it then. So props to them. Another interesting thing here is before we go to part two, because part two is part two will blow your mind. I, I'm it scared me reading it, but it's crazy about how many names that we know of and hate and are part of the deep globalist web are in part two. But before we get there, um, it, it shows some of the documents, a lot of scientific jargon. I don't need to go into it, but it just talks about construction permits of when the labs were built and stuff like that. Not very, very interesting. However, towards the end, it talks about how that there's information that the United States has built even two more new biolabs in Ukraine. And the fact that a company called, an American company called Black & Veatch was involved in these biolab projects. So as of now, the first part of this report ends with basically them saying that everything the Pentagon needs to continue with its military biological weapons program has already been transferred out of Ukraine. So any lab that gets destroyed, unfortunately, those viruses and those weaponized weaponized illnesses or however you want to call them, bioweapons, they will probably still be safe and sound, unfortunately. Unfortunately, they weren't destroyed then. So friends, in the part one covering of the InfoWars Exposé, we learn quite a bit. We learn that the, the Ukrainian biolabs were operated by the United States. And even more importantly, we learn that Joe Biden's corrupt and illegitimate administration, and I put the word administration in air quotes, helped move, along with the Ukrainian government, the pathological slash biological material that is used in creating the bioweapons from the labs before, before Russia destroyed them. And we compared that with some of the findings from my first episode on this, The Truth About Russia and Ukraine, that some of these diseases, including anthrax, the bubonic plague, and cholera, that, these, that any weapons made from these diseases would be absolutely catastrophic. We also learned that these biolabs violated a United Nations code against biological weapons. But most importantly for this, this second part, we learned about a company called Black & Veatch. And Black & Veatch is going to play a huge role in my, in my overview of part two. 
Now, part two, I made a mistake. I may have said part two was released weeks after part one. That was a mistake. Part two was released the day after. So, in the beginning of part two, they just talk about Black and Veatch again and how they were partnered with the Pentagon on this secret Ukrainian biolab projects. We basically cover that in the first part. Now, in, in, in the 2015 article that we talked about in the part one expose, a few minutes ago, where I said, oh my God, they hit it out of the park. They also touched on Black and Veatch's involvement in the biolabs. So they, so InfoWars, they knew all about this seven years ago, before Q, before MAGA, before Trump, before the stolen election, before the wall, before absolutely everything. So good on them. So we also know here that Black & Veatch, the company that we just spoke about, operated under the, the, a program in the Pentagon called the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which prior to 1996 was referred to as the, the Defense Special Weapons Agency. So, so picture that, picture that. Another one of these, these deep state, secretive, bioweapon weird foreign military facilities. And it operated under this DTRA program starting in 2008, which, is, as all of you know, was when the most corrupt administration in American history came to power. The, the Obama-slash-Clinton-slash-Brennan-slash- tentacles of deep state corruption. So it's pretty fitting that it started in the year of Barack Obama's inauguration. Now something crazy here also says that the Black and Veatch project included the building of biolabs in not just Ukraine, but in Azerbaijan, Cameroon, Thailand, Ethiopia, Vietnam, and Armenia. So again, you have these, these, these dangerous bioweapon labs all around the world. Thanks, Obama, you corrupt son of a bitch. Now, here's where we get to the crazy ties that I was, that I was talking about. Now, Menabiota, which was mentioned in the first episode, talking about Russia and Ukraine, Metabiota is highly connected to Black and Veatch. In 2014, they signed an 18.4 million federal contract to be a subcontractor of Black and Veatch in Georgia and Ukraine. And uh, according to here, in a job advertisement posted by Black and Veatch, they even share an office in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. Now, I'm sure I mentioned it. Well, I know I mentioned it in our last episode. But Metabiota was started by the son of the fraudulently installed bumbling fool that has the goal to call himself president, Hunter Biden. It was started by Hunter Biden and his investment firm, which we mentioned in that episode, Rosemont Seneca, which he founded 
with the stepson of, if not the biggest, a top two biggest biggest globalist in the, in the United States government. A man who cozies up to foreign Iranian dictators and a man who is one of the, the biggest prognosticators of the entire global warming, global con- control, climate change hoax. And that's John Kent Kerry. Hunter Biden, so l- let me tell you this again. Hunter Biden founded this firm along with John, John Kerry, corrupt John Kerry stepson, who, based on information that I know, not, not shown here, is a man by the name of Chris Hines. And that's Hines like the ketchup. And he is actually the, the heir to the, uh, the ketchup for, fortune. So the, ne- the next time you open and spread some ketchup on your hot dog or your burger, just know it has globalist ties to the Bidens, Ukraine, and the deep state. So sorry if I ruined Fourth of July for you, but I just thought that was <laughs> an interesting tidbit. Now, now the next part here is something we also knew about, and this is something Trump brought up, and of course the mainstream media shut him down. This the Metabiota and Rosemont Seneca were the center of the famous Trump accusation that turned out to be true that the former mayor of Moscow's wife gave $3.5 million to them. June of 2021, like so many things he was right about, President Trump was again vindicated when it was, when it was confirmed in June of 2021. Now... Rosemont Seneca, one year before it began funding Metabiota. <sighs> Here we go, guys. It partnered with the infamous Eco Health Alliance. Now, if you don't know, remember that, the Eco Health Alliance were the heads of the labs in Wuhan, China, head by, he, headed by Peter Daszak known collaborator of Anthony Fauci. So, yeah, I mean, if, they, if hearing the names, Dazak and Fauci, don't tell you ev- everything you need to know about this, then all hope is lost. It's amazing to me how, how deep the globalist tentacles go of the octopus that are the globalists. All of these figures that have been in our lives negatively throughout the past few years, Fauci, Biden, Dazak, Hunter Biden, John Kerry, they're all connected in this deep, deeply weaved globa- globalistic spider web. And we're not even done yet because it just gets worse and worse. But I just wanted to pause and just let you guys know the swamp, the swamp is nearly bottomless, my friends. And we're not even done yet. But anyway, 
back to the story. So let's get back to what we what what we were talking about before. So in 2016 one of the men directly responsible for for the COVID-19 pandemic, Peter Daszak, attended a corrupt globalistic family Rockefeller Foundation with Hunter Biden's Metabiota CEO to discuss something called the Global Virome Project, which promotes an international database and tracking system not too dissimilar from a vaccine passport or or, or a social credit score. Another way that these deep-pocketed elites try to remove our individuality and individual human rights. Now, there's another company here that we previously mentioned, Dazx EcoHealth Alliance. Now, I'm just going to refresh it again in case you guys haven't realized the enormity of this organization. So, after the Obama administration ended gain-of-function research in 2014, the EcoHealth Alliance was the company that Anthony Fauci went through to illegally continue to conduct his dangerous, mad scientific gain-of-function experiments, which as you all know, directly led to the COVID-19 pandemic. That, that's killed hundreds of thousands and disrupted the world for, for two years. Now, not surprisingly, everyone's fav- favorite, at least favorite web browser, Google, has been funding EcoHealth Alliance for for over a decade, which is why if you searched it up into Google, you probably didn't get anything because they were hiding the story. Now, Google also also has ties with Hunter Biden's Metabiota. And besides Hunter Biden, Google, the Pen- and the Pentagon, all three, let's just say, less than outstanding characters, Metabiota is in a working relationship with a CIA front called InQtel. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's a basically a government-sponsored venture capitalistic firm. So basically, another deep state front. Now, this web that we're weaving here, We're close to the center, but before we get to the center, I just want you you guys to take a minute and think about some of the names that we've heard again. Because there's one name, one name that you guys will be very, very familiar with coming up. And like the rug in the movie The Big Lebowski, this name really, really, really ties it all together. Now, even though Hunter Biden was extraordinarily influential in Metabiota, I made a brief mistake. He did not found it. His firm was involved in it, but he didn't found it. 
rather a man by the name of Nathan Wolf, who also sits sits on the board of the previously mentioned EcoHealth Alliance, created by Peter Daszak. Now, Nathan Wolf's projects have included funding from Anthony Fauci's NIH, one of our two two of our worst enemies, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Google and the Department of Defense. Now this guy, this guy Wolf, this guy Wolf, wrote a book called "The Viral Storm: The Dawn of the New Pandemic Age." Now he thanked his friends. He he wanted to th- he wanted to acknowledge people close to him, as you see many authors do, do in books. And he thanks. Wait for it, because this one's big. Jeffrey Epstein, along with biotech venture capitalist Boris Nikolich, who was named the successor Exeter, the Exeter of. Epstein's will when he died. There are photographs here of Nathan Wolf with Ghislaine Maxwell. And on top of all of that, Nathan Wolf is similar to Tulsi Gabbard, as we discussed in our last episode, and similar to Dan Crenshaw, and similar to Alex Soros, George's son, and similar to so many left-wing globalistic figures, he's connected to Klaus Schwab's young global leaders. And that's all I have for now, guys. But now you see the truly evil force that is in front of us. Every name that you heard is a name that you, that you often hear about, whether it be Gates, Fauci, Epstein, Biden, Clinton, Obama, Daszak. These are all names in the deep dark web that is the deep state and the globalistic elite. And friends, I'm sure there's information we don't know. I'm sure there's information tying this guy to Soros, ty- tying this, this t- even other names. Could it be the Rothschilds? Could it be the Bilderberg Group? Could it, could, it, could it be even others? We don't know, but I really wouldn't be surprised. But what I wanted to do here today is just paint a picture of the, de- of the, the massive map the massive connection, the mass, the massive links in the sequence to show you how deeply and disturbingly connected all of these figures are. We don't know what's going to happen in Russia. But based on this information here, probably won't be good. So friends, I leave you with this. There there is always good on the horizon. There is always a miracle 
waiting to come into fruition. And now more than ever, I know I always say this, but after after presenting you all with all of this evidence, we really, 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 really have to. We can't, and I mean with absolute certainty, friends, don't let the globalists win. Thank you.